Welcome to our Sunday service um, today. We are glad you could join us. We are Open Church. We meet at Loento Theatre every Sunday. Um, and um, my name is Inej. I'm part of the co-leadership team at Open Church. And we are just glad you could join us. And please join us as we worship the Lord together. Stop. 
Good morning and uh, welcome to this morning's service at uh, Open Church in Dola. We believe that we are going to be blessed and the Lord will speak to us. Shall we just open in a word of prayer? Shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you for your love. We want to thank you for your kindness. We want to thank you for your grace. Even as we are gathered today, we pray that the Holy Spirit speak to us. Open our spiritual eyes, open our spiritual ears, that we may hear and see that which the Holy Spirit has for us. We give you praise, we give you honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, as we have followed, we are studying the book of uh, Philippians, and we've already done Philippians 1 and Philippians 2. So today we are in Philippians 3. Just a quick recap on uh, what uh, the book of uh, Philippians is all about. In chapter 1, uh, we saw Paul, Apostle Paul, presenting the greatness of God. How God is great, how big God is. Paul puts it very clearly that before we can think of our problems, let's look at the bigness of God, the greatness of God. He also looked at the motivation of the Christian ministry. What is the motivation that we get from there? So Paul was trying to encourage the church at Philippi. But what we must uh, get intently is that as Paul was ministering to the church through the letter that he wrote at Philippi, it trickles down even to the current generation. So the greatness there, or the big thing is before looking at a problem, let's look at the greatness or how God is huge. In chapter 2, Paul now takes us into the conflicts that he met in the ministry. He is trying to look at the mindset what mindset do we have in the ministry? In this chapter, Paul is just talking about Jesus. He's saying, work your own salvation. Even if something belongs to you, don't take it, but wait for it. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, but he had to leave the throne and come on this day. Die a shameful death on the cross of Calvary. Yet, he is God. Why? Just for your sake and my sake. Now today, moving on, we are in chapter 3. And in chapter 3, Paul is now looking at what do we boast about or what can we boast about. Reading through, um, chapter 3 is one which has uh, verses all the way up to 21. And I will be content to remain in the context of uh, these verses. So let's follow through. Paul is saying, what should we boast about? Should we boast about ourselves? What we have achieved through works? Or what God has done for us. If we look at Paul, 
it is evident that Paul was an epitome of a good Jew. He had been born a member of God's chosen people and had flawlessly kept God's law. Now, Paul get, gets passionate because all we seem to be looking for is something other than Jesus to save us or to give us a sense of self. Instead of looking at Jesus, instead of focusing on Jesus, we are looking at something. Say Jesus and something. Not just Jesus, but you always want to say Jesus and something. For some, it's Jesus and money. Others, Jesus and the career that they have. Others, it's Jesus and the family. And before we proceed, I want to give you maybe what I'll call a power verse, or it's a memory verse. A power verse for Philippians 3 is coming from Philippians 3 verses 14. And it reads, I press towards the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Pressing towards the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Not in money, not in my possessions, not in my family, but in Christ Jesus. It is inevitable that uh, as we look at Paul, we should look at uh, his conversion. How was Paul converted? So we see that uh, Paul met Jesus on the way to Damascus. And this is ably outlined in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 19. Here Paul realized that everything he was living for was taking him in the wrong direction. When he met Christ, he realized what everything was living for was taking him in the wrong, wrong direction. And for that reason, he counted everything in the life, that is his reputation, his achievements, his pursuits, his possessions, worthless. You can imagine all this poor and a good life as, as we have seen earlier, born in a good family. He was educated. Now, when he met Jesus, he counted all these things worthless. So that his sole person now would be in knowing and saving Christ. Isn't that marvelous? If we can all have that, then the work of the Lord will move. Now, Paul is saying, there are two ways. Mind you, we are talking of how can we boast or in what can we boast? That is all chapter 3 is all about. Or that is the main gist. Now Paul is saying, there are only two things we can boast about. And hear that. One, you can boast by grace or in grace. That is what God has done for you. And that's in Christ Jesus. We can boast. Or he's saying, you can boast by works. What you have done, what I have done, or what you cause works of the Lord. So here we are, church. 
It's either we boast by what Christ has done for us, or we boast by what we've done ourselves. I'm sure as true Christians, we know where we lie. By now, Paul gets very passionate in chapter 3. Why? When you look at the church in Philippi, this is the church that Paul planted and is very passionate about it. Pastors, men, of, men and women of God who agree with me that the work involved in planting a church and it begins to thrive, you begin to see the youths mingling, you begin to see the praise group uh, coming up, you begin to see other ministers joining you, then you see that your ministry is growing. You become passionate about it. And this is exactly what, is, what Paul has about the church in Philip. Now hear this. As Paul is planting the church in Philip, there are also others who are coming. To say this Paul, even though you are listening to Paul and you are happy about Paul, there is something that is not telling you. And these people are what we call Judaizers. Who are these people? These are the people who have been converted from Judaism to Christianity. And you know, there are foundational issues. Whenever you are moving from um, one level to the other, there are foundational issues that you have to understand. And it is clear that uh, our dear friends probably did not understand what it meant or what it meant to cross over from Judaism to Christianity. Because remember, this is the battle that the Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus fought all along. It was simply Christianity and Judaism. Because our friends are too much in the law. And this is now where, this is the problem Paul has. They were now telling the church in Philippi, converts in, in Philippi, who had been converted by Paul, who had listened to Paul's message. They were now telling them that Paul wasn't telling them the real thing. There is something that is living out. Look here. Yes, you are calling yourself Christians, but there is something that is missing. For you to fully claim you belong to Jesus. For you to fully claim you are Christians, they told them, you have to be Jews. Because Jesus was Jew. They told them, you have to be circumcised. And you know this is purely law. But when, when Paul himself met Jesus, this didn't matter at all. This didn't matter at all. So that's why he gets passionate when he hears Christians telling fellow Christians that this is what it is all about. Then Paul comes out now. If, if it's today we can say he shone, he had to shine now, he said, look here. These people who are coming to tell you that you need this, you need to be this, you need to be that. I, Paul, 
if I were to post it that I think I am the best savior, I am more qualified than them. It's me who's supposed to be telling you this. But because he met the Lord Jesus Christ, he knew, he left all that. And this is, now he tells him, this is, he says, this is my CV as Paul. I am Jewish. I'm born from a tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised, circumcised on the eighth day. And I was a Pharisee. Concerning the law, I'm unblemished. I know too much about the law. And I wasn't found wanting in anything about the law. But here I am. After meeting Christ, I count this nothing. Paul emphasizes that we as a church should be on the lookout for these people teaching something contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We should be on the lookout. These are the ones that the letter of Galatians is about. Because when you go to Galatians, you find the same scenario. So Paul is saying these are the people that are also in the same the letter of Galatians. Jewish converts to Christianity who went around telling people that is the non-Jewish converts that they need Jesus and Jewish law. Jesus and circumcision. Jesus and Sabbath. Jesus and dietary laws. Jesus and perfect religion. So it's not about Jesus. For them, it's not about Jesus. But it's about Jesus and something. Jesus and something. But we all know, we all know as Christians that it's about Jesus. And when we reach that stage, then we can call ourselves true Christians. Paul is quite hard on them. He comes down like a stone on them or like a hurricane. And he calls them dogs. Ah, in our own language, Mr. Lund, Pastor Lund, in our own language, you call someone a dog. Yeah, and then they say, what is he? He's a pastor. <laughs> but this is what Paul, Paul calls them. He calls them dogs and other names because they are distracting people from a Jesus only mentality. And this is what we need. Now, here is the danger when we have um, the Jesus and mentality. When it's Jesus and, it makes less of Jesus and a fool of God. It, even, it doesn't even make sense. Because we are going to say, unless there is this, that's when we can say there is Jesus. But Jesus is the ultimate. When we see this, when Paul writes it, we can realize it. On one hand, we say, yes, only Jesus. Yet on the other hand, we are looking for things other than Jesus to fill in the gaps. And this is where Christianity is difficult. Because yes, you say, I've come to Jesus. Here comes a problem. You go back to your old ways. You are sick. 
yes, it's Jesus, you go back to the witch doctors, the Nangas. You are broke. Yes, this is Jesus, but you go back to bribery, stealing, corruption. Jesus and something makes us feel better about ourselves. It makes us hold together. It makes us have confidence before God. It also gets us to get our needs met before God. To some of us, it's Jesus and the dream job. Jesus and the family. Jesus and money. Jesus and the body image with these six packs we see. <laughs> Jesus and image approval. Jesus and education. Not, the, not that these things are bad, but we must draw a line. Jesus is the ultimate. Jesus is the ultimate. The other thing, other than Jesus, it makes us sure that our needs, does it make us sure that our needs are met? This thing, Jesus and, Jesus and, does it really make us feel our needs are met? It may, but only for a while. But when we are totally focused on Jesus, once your need is met, it's met for good. Unless we see our lack of righteousness before God as our biggest problem in life, and see what Jesus has done as our greatest gain, we, are, we can't see Jesus as the greatest gain in our lives until we come to a point of realizing the lack of righteousness before God. The lack of righteousness before God is our biggest problem. But if we can't see that, then we won't see that Jesus is our greatest gain. And without seeing this and realizing this, we will always hold on to Jesus and Jesus plus, in addition to Jesus. And Paul is saying it, it doesn't make sense. And we are missing the point completely. If we think I will do the Jesus thing plus, so that I can get a family, job approval, life, and all that I want. Then we are totally wrong and we are going wrong about it. Because it's Jesus who brings all these things. Jesus will add. Not you, not I. But Jesus will add. When you have Jesus, you have everything. And here is the good news. Because Paul is not just Christians of today, we should realize that as we read the Bible, it does not just pretend 
like this time to the people of Philippi. No, that message must resolute, it must come back to us. We must be able to feed in. We must be able to filter in and see as at today, where do we stand with the word? And with what Paul is saying, the good news isn't that God gets you something else. It's that he gives himself. God gives himself. He's saying, I'm here. What is your problem? I'm here. You need a job? I'm here. You need a wife? I'm here. You need a family? I'm here. God gives himself. If Jesus isn't good news, then Christianity doesn't make sense. Hallelujah. Then it doesn't make sense. But because Jesus is good news, Christianity makes a lot of sense. I have you brothers and sisters here because of Christianity, because of Jesus. So I know where to look to even when I'm in problems. I have brothers, I have sisters through Christ, in Christ who can assist me. Hallelujah. Paul is saying, I can see that. I want that. So I count everything else as loss. Everything. Paul sees and he says, I want this. I have this. And therefore, all other things, I count them worthless. Because I have Jesus. Any life I would build myself, any achievements without Jesus, loss. All as loss, just so I can know him. So we have to reach a point where we know that we come to a realization that all these things are vanity, but only Christ. Then we will serve Christ diligently. When I know Christ, when you know Christ, Paul is saying, now we will realize, we will understand the power of resurrection. Because when Jesus arose, we were reborn. We started a new life. And now Paul is saying, the power of resurrection, when you receive Christ, who rose from the dead, we share in sufferings. So there is nothing like, uh, I don't have a job, and you go into Jesus' aunt. Already Jesus has given himself. We have a family. So we share the sufferings. We share the sufferings like in death. I'm sure you've seen, when we have funerals, you will never find, when there is a funeral, only a family of the deceased are just seated there warming themselves around the fire. No. You will find brothers and sisters in Christ going to comfort them, going to provide. And that's what Paul is sharing. We can share like him in death. I want to know him in every area, in power, in the suffering, even in my death. I just want him. We should reach that stage where we should just want Christ. Nothing but Christ. Some of us spend our lives saying Jesus is great. 
But when it comes to real satisfaction, real pleasure in life, we look to other places for that. We look to other places for that. But we proclaim Jesus is great. As open church, you want to look to Christ. Even in these times of COVID-19, let's look to Christ. He has given himself to us. All these, they are God gives to us, but never meant to replace the giver. So whatever you receive, thank you for that good job. Thank you for your marriage. Thank you for your children. Thank you for the wealth. But God must not replace the giver. Now Paul is saying, even when he can post as a best Jew, a good Jew, more than the Judaizer, he's saying even him, he hasn't yet arrived. Isn't that good? When we look at the city of Paul, the work that Paul did, or the work that Paul has done, because it's still working, it's just marvelous. But here is an encouragement to you and I, who look to Paul. Paul is saying, I haven't yet arrived. I haven't attained it yet. I am not perfect. Going back to, to our power base, but press on to make that my own. Why? Because he has made me his own. Let's make Christ our own because Christ has made himself to be owned by us. He ends it all. Christ ends it all. Not me. He has made me his own. That's Christ. I press on because I already have. Not because I have to earn it or get it. We already have Christ. That is why we press on. Because as we are pressing on, we are pressing on towards Christ. Christ, the owner of anything. Everything. So we are pressing on, not to have, but because we already have. Amen. Can we forget behind? No, we can't. Paul is great, but can we forget what happened behind? No, we can't. Paul was a mother of the church and he said, forgetting what is behind. No matter what we have done before, but when Christ is now the head, whatever we did is behind and forgotten because it's Christ now. Let us take ourselves off the hook. Jesus took our place and Jesus has taken our place. In all, Paul is saying, we are citizens of heaven. We are citizens of heaven. The relationship with Jesus. Let me just emphasize on the relationship with Jesus. That he emphasized 
with the people in Philippi, and that is being emphasized even today as present-day Christians. Relationship with Jesus is not based on works, but faith with God, what God did in Jesus Christ, that is what we should count for joy. Education or status doesn't make you good with Jesus. We are citizens of heaven. Hence we pray, let your kingdom come. When we look at the setup of today's earth scenario, would Jesus feel good? Feel safe? Fine? If he came today? Would Jesus feel right at home? Is he in a place of peace and content? Have we produced the culture of heaven? Have we? Because this is what pertains with the relationship with Jesus. I want to clarify something and make it very clear. By Paul saying he is not perfect, despite what he has achieved, despite the books he has written, despite his ministry being huge and successful, now he's saying he's not perfect. He is giving them, the people of Philippi, and us permission to get it wrong. Now, try to get me correct here. He is giving them permission to get it wrong. Meaning, if you see something not right about the kingdom, start making things right. So yes, you and I can go wrong. We can go off track. And at the end of the day, you'll be able to see that where I'm going, it's not right. That is the permission Paul is talking about. You can go off track. And that's why I say he is not perfect. You are not perfect. I'm not perfect. We are not perfect. But you can make things right. Amen? Start implementing the process of change. Immediately you see something is not right. Youths, talk to your leaders, talk to the pastors, talk to your parents. You are given the advice. Don't overlook it. Start putting things right. We are not perfect, and the Paul is saying, let us press on. Pressing on where? Unto Jesus. Work your transformation to see change in your life and world. Now we can say, well, Paul is saying this. What are the other ways of pressing forward? Because we have to press forward. Hallelujah. Identify where you want to see change and transformation. Develop a bit of a strategy. How am I going to achieve this? You always struggle waking up early. Come up with a strategy. You always struggle to study. Come up with a strategy. For those of us who are married, our marriages are failing. We should be able to come up with a strategy how to work our marriages. As we look at it, we ask, what can work in this context? 
maybe read a book read a book about marriage if you are not doing so well at um, school or work try to to take a course there was one time i realized i was sort of shaking when presenting reports in excel i had to take an excel lesson so that i could prop myself up i think now i'm okay i can do it now it's not just about praying but let's get engaged in getting things done for youths even all of us get an intervention from somebody be mentored have a mentor be coached then give yourself time it's not like everything is going to happen today no give yourself time and in that time you should be hoping to see change have some kind of a goal in your mind and in conclusion Paul is saying or oh, I'm asking do you like Paul place Christ above everything else in your life if you are not sure ask yourself the following questions how do you spend your time what dominates your thoughts where are your priorities what motivates you if the most important thing in your life is jesus then your life revolve around getting to know him more you will want to spend time learning about his nature his will and his purposes so church that's Paul in Philippians 3 he is trying to warn us against who he calls dogs those who come against the message that is being preached, the message of the cross, and they say, you need to have Christ as the something. And Paul is saying no. And he has encouraged us, just as encouraged the people of Philippi. Thank you, and I hope this word has encouraged us. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you have spoken to us this morning. We thank you, King of Glory, that this word has found fatal soil in us and upon us. And we, as we go out today, we shall remember to boast in what God did for us in Christ. We give you praise, we give you honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining joining us for the service today we trust that you've been blessed by the lord and uh, you just have a great week this week and for those wishing to give their tithes and offerings we have three options you can use mobile money the number showing on the screen we also have a bank account you can deposit your money directly into the bank account those who are able to walk they are able to get in touch with joanna and bring in their cash in an envelope 
We also have a prayer meeting, a prayer and counseling going on during the week. If you would like somebody to pray with you, please get in touch with Pastor Lina or Pastor Sylvester. They will be able to stand with you in prayer. We also have prayer meetings going on throughout the week. You can get in touch with Chioma and she'll be able to guide you and give you details on how you can join. Uh, next Sunday, it's the very first time we'll be live streaming on uh, YouTube. So please do like our page and subscribe so that you can just enjoy the fellowship with us. We thank you so much for joining in this week. Be blessed.